Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, everybody. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Welcome to Beekeeping for Newbies. Thank you so very much for taking the time to listen. I do appreciate you. As always, feel free to reach out to Jeff at beekeepingfornewbies.com or more on the bees at protonmail.com. Well, hey, I've got some really exciting news today. I just spent 20 minutes recording the podcast and didn't press the record button. Yes, that is a real thing that just happened. But the actual real good news is I've got video today. I'm not sure if I'm going to put the whole thing out there or not. But we might get a five or ten minute excerpt here and there and see what we can do to, I don't know what the right word to say, get a look at my my face for radio as I affectionately say. Okay, so today, episode 39, you get a swarm and you get a swarm. I had to point to the right part of the camera. So everybody gets a swarm today. Whoever listens, congratulations, you get a swarm. There is just one tiny little catch to it. You just kind of have to go out and catch it yourself. So cheer up, good news. I am going to run through everything today, and even though I'm not going to actually give you a swarm, hopefully by the time that we get through the episode, you'll have a rough idea of the tools, the equipment, and the attitude to catch a swarm yourself. One thing I wanted to bring up that, that kind of didn't cross my mind, but I think it makes a lot of sense for, for a new beekeeper on this subject, is something that kind of came up in the Discord, and I wanted to bring it up right away because I just, I just, for whatever reason, my mind didn't even think about this. The differentiation between swarm trapping and swarm catching, right? Somebody brought this up in the discord and I just thought, crap, I didn't even think about it in this way. So swarm trapping, it's a passive activity that you do by putting, you know, temporary box of some sort, whether it's a nuke box, a custom swarm trap, whatever it might be, isn't it? a little bit bigger than a nuke, maybe putting it up into a tree or on a post or someplace where it kind of catches the eye of a scout bee who's out, you know, looking around for a new home for a swarmed colony. That is a passive activity, right? That's It's doing its own thing. It's kind of like passive income, right? It's making money when you're not there. Catching a swarm, swarm catching, that's an active activity. Either you have watched a, a group of bees swarm from your, you know, your, one of your colonies, or you just happen to be driving down the road, see one up in a tree, or a neighbor or somebody calls you. That's an active activity. You, you have to go out and... You know, bring your equipment, your gear, whatever it is, and you're going to engage that swarm and try to bring it out and, and capture it for yourself. So active versus passive, I would say, are the two big differentiators between those things. 
So let's go ahead and jump in the discussion here and talk about the gear that you should have to catch swarms kind of in general. Now, for me, I only catch or try to catch anyway my own swarms. I don't go to neighbors' houses. I don't go to local businesses. I don't, I don't go anywhere else. So when I'm trying to catch mine, I know about the bees. I know where they came from. I know their temperament. I kind of know what to expect from them. Now, let's kind of talk a little bit about bees that we might catch on someone else's property or at a business or, you know, bees of unknown origin. So the first thing to cover here is just because you see a swarm doesn't mean that you have a right to it. It doesn't mean that you can just drive by someone's house and be like, cool, there's a swarm right there, and then throw a ladder on the tree and start trying to get the swarm out, right? It, it's like anything else. If it's on their property, it's theirs, they own it. So just knock on the door, track them down, ask for permission. You know, I feel like most people probably would be really, really excited to have you get them out of the tree or, or out of the bushes or wherever they are because they're probably scared of them. So great opportunity to meet a neighbor, have a little discussion, and and uh, get yourself some freebies. But again, make sure that you're asking permission wherever you go. So I think this kind of it's kind of an introductory legal kind of discussion. So following that and going a little deeper on the legal side of things, I would say one of the first things I would consider doing if you have the cycles to do it is maybe some kind of a legal disclaimer. Um, you know, anyone who's been listening to the podcast, you know, three or four episodes or more, you probably figured out that I like to joke around a lot. It's, it's, um, it's kind of like my favorite pastime. I think I was that kid in high school that sacrificed his education for the entertainment of his fellow students. That's just kind of the way I am. But this, this is actually pretty serious. Um, you know, catching swarms has risks associated with it. Some of them are because of the bees themselves. Others are because of the risk of, you know, falling off of ladders or rooftops or being stung or attacked by something that's worse than honeybees, you know, depending on where you're digging around and what you're getting into to try and get to those bees. But catching swarms is a dangerous activity, right? This is a this is kind of a key takeaway. It is a dangerous activity, can cause injury or death, and it should not be performed without supervised training from an expert in this area. You know, I'm not trying to say that you need to go find somebody who is a certified swarm catcher. I don't think that thing exists. But don't go into it half-heartedly, right? Particularly, like, as an example, if you're down in the south where you may encounter Africanized bees, that's a different ballgame than those nice little calm, happy Italian bees that you've had in your backyard for three years, right? It's a different experience. So I don't want you to get hurt. I don't want anything bad to happen. Don't take what you hear today as the gospel and that's all you need to know you still have some things you need to go out and figure out do it under the watchful eye of a mentor or somebody the first couple of times just to get a hang of it but also you know still on that that legal side of things you know i have assets i have things that i own that i like and you know if i'm out there on someone else's property and i don't have them sign something or do a video of them saying yes i agree I mean, even with all those things, you can get something in writing, have a video of them saying, yes, I understand you're going to catch bees. I understand that, you know, your equipment might damage my home. You can have all the stuff outlined in there. And someone will still find a way to throw it out in court because the person was under duress because of the stress that the bees were putting them under with the swarm being there. They're going to try and find a way. But do whatever you can to kind of cover your backside from those people who are going to try to take advantage of the situation and try and steal everything you've worked hard for. Some kind of waiver of liability, agreement to hold harmless, 
whatever you want to do. I wouldn't necessarily go to a lawyer, but if you want to do that, you know, maybe maybe do that. Hey, if there's anybody in the Discord room or anybody who listens who is a lawyer and would like to help us put together a legal document to protect people catching swarms, that would be super awesome. But anyway, moving on to safety. Okay, so this is kind of the first thing we want to talk about that's that's critically important no matter what you're doing, you know, whether it's, you know, in your line of work or, or whatever. If you're a factory worker, you know, the signs that says, you know, 25 days since the last accident or whatever it might be like safety is a big deal. And no matter what you do, swarm catching is no different. So there's a couple things I want you to keep in mind here. Number one, always check your protective equipment. Now I don't mean like just go and find it like, Oh, there it is. Let's go. I mean, pick it up, look over everything. So your B suit, particularly the veil portion or if you have a separate veil, really looking over that veil, making sure that the front, you know, anything that has a screened area doesn't have little pinches in it where they're broken open. I'm telling you, and you guys have heard me say this a million times, if you don't find the hole, the bees will, right? They are going to know where that break is in your protective gear. They will find it, and they will remind you that they have found it. And depending on how long you're there and how irritated they are, they may remind you repeatedly, so take the time, do it all up front, get everything ready to go. And then that way, when you head out the door, it's one less thing you have to worry about. You will definitely thank yourself later on that one. So the next thing is to be mindful of the fact that not all bees are as nice as the ones that you have back home. Even if, if they're not Africanized bees, right? Anything can still happen. You know, And I'm not trying to pick on like uh, the young lady who does the YouTube videos and the TikToks with... Um, you know, you see her go up and finding all these bees and she's, oh, there's a refrigerator in the backyard and I just opened it up and there were all these bees in here and they were nice and gentle and I took them out and put them into a new thing. Love the videos. The gal seems really sweet and, and really knowledgeable and it's fun to watch. But you got to remember, man, not all of those bees in the world are as kind and gentle and we don't always see everything that happens up front. She's using a smoker. She gets them nice and calm, right? She's doing all the right things. But I just don't, I don't want you to get an, an, I would much rather somebody give you a hard time for being protected head to toe with gloves and boots and super thick things on. Let them make fun of you. I don't care. You got to keep yourself safe. So another thing to, to remember is, you know, um, swarms can be loud sometimes, right? A lot of times when they're in that initial phase of getting to the tree, you hear a lot of buzzing around, they will attract attention. And if you're in an area or a neighborhood where people are walking around, very common for people to start calling and texting each other like, hey, over here on this address at this street, there's a, a swarm. You should go check it out. So that's cool. It's neat that people are paying attention. They're looking at it and they want to learn more. But sorry, somebody just sent me a message in the Discord. I should have turned it off because I get like super ADD. I can't keep track of anything for more than about eight seconds. But when you are trying to catch that swarm and you're doing everything you want to do, you really try to want to, you want to keep people away from what you're doing, them and their pets, you want to try to get them away because anything can go wrong. You can be cutting down that little branch and everything's going fine and then it breaks a little early or you're holding on to the dead end of the branch or whatever and the whole cluster falls, hits the ground and then someone's dog decides they got to run up and catch it. The dog gets stung, dog has a reaction. Next thing you know, you're getting um, some of the trouble with that. So it's cool that people want to be around, but let them know like, Hey folks, I need you to stand back. Please stay away. You know, I don't want you to get hurt. I don't, you know, we don't know these bees that generally they're and, and it's a good time to educate and say, Hey, bees are generally very docile when they're swarmed like this. Don't worry. There's not an immediate threat, but I would like to ask you to kind of stay, you know, at least a hundred feet away or whatever you think is appropriate. Just make people aware 
verbalize something out loud to them that multiple people hear. So if something goes wrong, you can be like, hey, I told everybody to back up. So just, again, it's another kind of one of those CYA type of things. So we, we've talked about, you know, making sure that your protective equipment is good to go. We covered that. But let's talk about some of the regular equipment and some of the things that you're going to need to bring with you or have as part of your gear. So, of course, you know, your, your protective gear that covers you is, is kind of a given. And again, I've mentioned before about, about this, but you can watch a lot of videos on YouTube with people doing a lot of silly stuff. I've seen some that it's like a, it's a laugh cry kind of thing. Like I feel bad for them that these things happen to them, but the way they do it is just so absolutely hilarious, but they just, they do things that are completely stupid and like you, you don't want them to get hurt, but it's kind of like, man, you were asking for it and doing what you just did, but don't try to be cool, right? This is not a time to try and be cool and try to show off. Like, you know, one of my favorite things to say is like, you know, $200 for a nuke, $200 for your ER copay. You know, if you if you want a hive that bad, you know, just go ahead and just buy one maybe. But making sure that your equipment, your, your protective gear is there, I beat that dead horse. So in addition to that, you know, it wouldn't hurt to have the smoker and the hive tool. Those are kind of just the tools of the trade. I've kind of got that little, you know, what, $8 Harbor Freight tool belt thing that I told you guys about. That's what I put my stuff in. That works fine. But the smoker, really, if you think about when we're using the smoker, we're kind of doing a couple things. One, we're trying to put, put the idea out here like, oh, no, there might be a fire. The bees will kind of gorge themselves on the nectar and the honey that's available to them. And that way, if they have to relocate, they've got some resources on board that they can use when they establish a new home. It also helps to block the pheromones. So those, you know, the, uh, hey, we're being attacked kind of pheromone, the stress hormones, all those things that are stress pheromones, those things that are coming out that are telling Everybody in the colony, we got a big problem. That smoke is going to help to cover that up. But remember, with a swarm, they're not defending a colony. So they're really, they're really much more mellow and laid back. Now, you don't want to sit there and you know, start like, you know, flicking them in the face or anything, but they're, they're generally pretty chill. But having a smoker on hand wouldn't hurt. Uh, you know, just a couple of puffs here and there maybe to kind of calm them down a little bit or make them a little hypoxic. I don't know which. The other thing, or I would say almost arguably the most important thing, is you're going to have to have a container to put them in. I've seen lots of different things. I've seen five-gallon buckets. I've seen cardboard boxes. I've seen people use a shop vac and literally suck them in through the shop vac all the way you know, until the whole thing is in, inside the shop vac. I've never done that. I think it's kind of cool. I'm not going to lie. I think it's neat. I think it, it has its place. The one cautionary note I would give you on the shop vac is to try to see if you can track down that queen first because having her isolated and protected from the bouncing around inside of the shop vac would be really kind of ideal. You just want to protect that queen if you can. Or if you were sucking a little bit with the shop vac and then you got to where you could see her, then you stop, take her out, put her in a queen cage, and then finish up. I, I personally would do that because I think it's a great way to protect the queen. Now, somebody who has been doing shop vac extractions of bees for years might say, not an issue. I've done it a thousand times. No big deal. I don't have enough experience with it to tell you one way or another. Just That's just kind of in, to, kind of intuitive to me. That's what I think you should do, or that's what I would do. So just keep that in mind. Uh, another thing you might want to add to your kit would be a um, uh, maybe like a small step ladder, like a two or three step step ladder. And then maybe a full, like a six-foot ladder. And again, these are things that depending on what you have available to you, the type of vehicle that you drive, you know, what you're going to actually be doing in your swarm trapping kind of world or, you know, swarm catching world, 
as to what you may have or may need, but just some things to keep in mind. I would also add like a saw, like a pruner maybe, or uh, you got to be really careful with exactly how you approach this. And we'll get into some of the more details of how you do it kind of coming up. For example, I have a chainsaw. I would take a chainsaw if I were going to go catch a swarm. I have chainsawed branches to get swarms myself. If you have a buddy, I'll get into this later on, but having some kind of a, a saw to be able to remove a branch and then you can take the branch that has the cluster kind of hanging in the middle and you can take it over the box and then just kind of shake the the, um, the cluster into the box or the, you know, the hive body, the cardboard box, the bucket, whatever you're using, you can kind of shake them into that. It's also important that whatever you're putting them into has some ventilation. I don't think I touched on that earlier, but put, set it up with some kind of ventilation to where they can, um, even though it may not be super hot out, they, they need fresh air. They need to be able to kind of thermoregulate a little bit. Yeah, I'll tell you some more stories about my cutting of branches later on. So another thing to consider might be the idea of registering your services. I know years ago I lived in a rural area. I think you could call their dispatch or talk to somebody within their dispatch group and just say, hey, look, I, I catch honeybees if they swarm. You know, if, um, if there's any interest, you know, just add me to the list. Give me a call. So that's one thing you could do if you wanted to be a part of that. I know a lot of bee clubs will maintain that kind of registration as well. So you can go to your local bee club and say, hey, I want to catch swarms too. Or you might even just tell them, hey, I've never done it before. Can you get me linked up with somebody who, who might be catching swarms that I could tag along with? So good opportunity for you to learn and then maybe be on the list as well. But you can probably do that. There's probably online groups, Facebook groups, Instagram groups. There's probably local places where you can advertise your services to people and let them know. Um, you could probably, I don't know, there's got to be some form of social media type of thing where you can let people know that you're, you're interested in catching swarms in your area. So consider doing that if it's something that you want to pursue and you have the time for it, particularly if you're in a position where you're retired and you have more time. Because a lot of times, you know, the swarm is going to happen at like 10 or 11 in the morning. You know, so if you're at a full-time job and you're at work, you're not going to be able to take advantage of that. And they're not always going to happen on Saturdays and Sundays too. Hey, everyone, thank you for listening. I hope that you're enjoying the show and are finding the information to be useful and valuable. In order to help keep the lights on, we do need to take a quick commercial break. Thank you so very much for hanging in there, and I appreciate you. We will be right back. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. All right, everyone, welcome back, and thank you for staying with us today. As always, feel free to reach out if you have any questions or comments. I always enjoy hearing about your experiences, answering questions, and learning more about the challenges you're facing in different parts of the world. So please keep them coming. It's Jeff at beekeepingfornewbies.com. Now let's get back to the show on the Beekeeping for Newbies radio network. Okay, that's not a real thing, but I'm trying to make it sound more official, so just play along, all right? Thanks a lot. All right, folks, so now it's time to catch some bees. Let's get into the real, the real nitty-gritty here. Talk about the good stuff. So we talked about the legal parts, the safety, the equipment, um, 
you know, just about everything else, but let's get into how you're actually going to catch the swarm. You know, as we discussed earlier, I mentioned that you should have a smoker and, you know, might be able to, again, kind of mellow the bees out a little bit. May not necessarily be a must-have kind of thing. I think you're going to be able to catch your swarms perfectly fine without them, but again, not not a bad thing to have. But remember, you know, they're not defending a, a hive anymore. They're not defending the colony, so they're they're less likely to uh, to get upset with you. Now, the one thing that I, I would say to kind of keep in mind and as a case for why you would bring a smoker, this is kind of something I had forgotten about uh, from earlier that I wanted to bring up. But let's say you're called to get a swarm and it's you know, hanging off somebody's grill, as an example. I've seen that one several times. And you go back to the grill and you see bees outside of it, but it doesn't really look like a swarm. And you, know, you hit a couple puffs of smoke and then maybe you crack the grill open and inside there is big huge sections of drawn comb like they've literally turned the entire grill into a colony right great opportunity to use the smoker right they're not swarmed they are defending a colony so that's another reason why i say that that having a smoker wouldn't be such a bad idea but let's let's talk about the actual swarm catching here so forgetting about all the safety and the other considerations your most important thing is to try to get that queen you can catch, you know, 4,999 workers, but if you don't get the queen, they're basically useless. Now, I say that, but if you caught them and they were 100% definitely queenless, you could certainly add a mated queen to those 4,999 bees and establish a new colony, right? You could get a queen cell from another colony, put it in with these bees. If for some reason, again, that they lost the queen, she was injured, whatever, for whatever happened during the movement of, you know, from the colony to the swarm uh, location, and then to your box. Somewhere in that that mix, she was injured, lost, whatever happened. The bees are still useful. You can still do something with them. But by themselves, without that queen, you stick that in a box, and they're just going to start dying and aging off. It's, it's, there's a different and noticeable level of activity that you'll see inside of a colony that's queenless. It just It's like a rudderless ship. Like Things are being done, and bees are coming and going, but they just kind of like... They, they're hanging out, and they just seem like they have no guidance, no direction. It would be like a football team without a coach. Can can the players still play the game? Yeah, they can, but they don't really know what plays to call. They don't have the visibility that the you know offensive coordinators have that can see the whole field and can tell them what the other team, the defense, is doing during certain plays so they know what areas they might be able to exploit. That, that infrastructure that's key, which is all contained within the queen, is missing. But um, another thing here, too, is it, it, try to capture as many bees as you possibly can. But remember, you know, you can, you can technically get away with just a handful. Um, I don't have one in my hand. It's actually in my garage. But I use these mini mating nukes sometimes in the spring. And it is probably about 8 inches by 6 or 7 inches high by about 8 inches wide, something like that. It's like a little cube. You open it up. It's styrofoam. You open it up. And you've got a little trough in there to put some uh, sugar syrup. There's three miniature frames. And you put your queen cell in that. And you use a, um, a queen pheromone strip. And you just staple it inside that. So it gives the scent of a queen. So you can take a handful, like a, literally like a measuring cup of bees, drop them into that with a queen cell. They smell that synthetic pheromone. So it keeps them there. Then that queen is born from that queen cell. She will emerge, go out, do her mating flight, come back. She'll bring more bees back with her. And within like two weeks, that thing is packed out. You've got all, all those little miniature frames. And I mean, these things are like, I don't know, four inches wide or four inches long by an inch wide by like three inches deep, something like that. And 
and you've got a colony, you're ready to go. So you can now take that queen and put her into any full-size colony, and she can pick up and, and run with things. So you don't necessarily have to get all those bees. The more you get, the more you have working in the colony to produce and to do the things that need to be done every day. But at least get yourself a good cup of them, and you, you can make things work. Now, the other thing I had on my list here, and I've got you know, these, these notes, man. i gotta got to keep it all together. But it talks about ventilation and airflow. And I think we kind of touched on that earlier. So I'm not going to not going to go over that again, but just really being cognizant of of giving them that that um, the airflow and and making sure that they have you know um, we just don't want them to overheat. Another thing I've done before too is when I've had bees, I'm trying to keep calm. Like I have the package open as I'm throwing in you know bees from the cluster. I mean, there's times where you literally are grabbing parts of the cluster and dropping them into the box. You can take some sugar syrup and just spray it onto them. It kind of keeps them a little busy, gives them something to drink. It occupies them and helps them to kind of stay calm while you're getting everything packed up. But the actual catching part, right? Let's get into the kind of the meat and potatoes here. The actual part where you're catching the swarm. This is super easy. So when I do it, I take like a, uh, either a medium-sized cardboard box, like I said, or a bucket, or, or you can use a hive body where you've secured the bottom board to the bottom of the, um, of the hive body, and you don't have an entrance on it, so it's just a solid box. Maybe have some ventilation holes with some screening on them. You know, whatever whatever kind of makes sense, whatever you have. And also, if you have a helper, I know I kind of mentioned that earlier, but if you have a helper, somebody who can give you an extra hand, this is where it kind of becomes uh, important. I just had a little brain ADD moment because I couldn't remember if I had said something from the first recording that I didn't press record on or if I said it in this one. But anyway, having a person who can hold the branch if, for example, if they're on a branch, being able to hold that branch and make the cut while you're holding on to the a piece of the branch and the cluster, you know, things like that. Having that second set of hands is, is pretty huge. But you want to get that container as close as you can up to where the cluster is because you can kind of do it a couple of different ways. So we'll use the tree example where it's on a branch that you can get to or on something that's low. You can basically just reach you know, basically encompass or encircle the swarm with the bucket or cardboard box or whatever, reach up along the branch or whatever it's hung to or clung to, I should say, and you can just slide your hand and just start pushing them down, slide and drop, slide and drop until the entire cluster is now in the box. And then from there, you know you're not going to get every bee, right? As soon as they drop into the box, some of them are going to start flying and trying to get out. If you leave that box open or that container open, a lot more of them are going to try and fly out and go right back up to that branch. Now, if you have the queen, if you caught the queen in that first swipe, they'll start fanning and telling everybody like, hey, the queen's here, and, and you'll see them kind of come back. But I try to catch as many of them as I can right from the beginning, get them in the box, and be done with it. But regardless of where you're doing this, whether it's, again, hanging off of a grill or an overhang, like a, what do you call it, a, um, like the eaves of a building or a whatever it doesn't matter like they'll grab whatever's close by a bush whatever they may be hanging out on if you can reach reach it easily that's always so much better than having to cut things if you're on that cut the branch kind of approach like i said having somebody hold on to it you know physically while the cutting is taking place again if you're using a handsaw a lot of vibration that's not going to be really well received by the the cluster but if you're using like a chainsaw you can do a quick cut but on that subject, please don't cut really big branches. I would say maybe nothing bigger than like the size of your wrist, 
right? You don't want to be cutting down big, heavy tree branches and then realizing when you're on a stepladder, like, oh crap, this is a 400 pound tree branch I'm taking out to get this cluster of bees. Again, $200 ER deductible, $200 for a new colony, right? So just weigh that one out when you decide to prune the entire tree here. But let's say again, let's say it's a, um, you know, like a six foot branch, not too big. You know, you may hold one end, your partner's holding the other with the, you know, the cutting tool. And then you're just holding the box, you know, right up underneath of it. And you're just waiting for, uh, for the branch to kind of get freed. And then your partner can hold the branch and guide it to the ground while you get everything into the box. I think it's one of those things where having it on video would be a lot easier. So I don't catch a lot of swarms that are just out and about. Yeah, but if I catch a swarm or I, if, if I have a swarm that I can catch, I will try to capture that on video to walk you through everything and talk about it. It's a really tough one to just kind of just kind of talk about. Now, another thing that you can do too is another approach, again, on that tree branch kind of thing, is if it is kind of a larger branch, if you can get somebody to hold the end, you can cut near where the branch meets the tree kind of cut down about two-thirds or three-fourths of the way and then guide the entire branch down. Again, it would require that you're either up on a ladder or that the branch is low enough, but you can gently kind of guide that branch down to the ground, bending against the tree, still connected. The branch is still connected to the tree. That would give you access to the cluster. You get them into your container, and then you go back and finish cutting off that last remaining piece of the branch. Just be creative. And like I said, the, the last mention or last method I would mention would be the shop vac approach, which we talked about kind of before. Uh, again, I think it's a cool idea. I just I get nervous about the queen. Before I wrap up for the dicks, I know this is this is a it's very one hundred level, right? It's it's a very high level. It's giving you an overview of all the things you want to consider, think about. It's legal. It's equipment. It's protective gear. And again, it's a it's a very it's so hard to kind of capture everything that's involved in it because we're having a 100 level discussion on things that can kind of get into a three or 400 level of difficulty just because of the fact that there's so many variables involved. But I would say to not be tough on yourself, right? Like just break it down a little bit and say, okay, I don't have these bees. They're not mine. I'm not losing anything. So I'm going to go into it with the best effort. I'm going to go do the best I can. I'm going to try and capture them. If it doesn't work out, if they get agitated, if they, uh, I've had them actually get completely disrupted on one branch and hit the ground and then fly up, uh, you know, to a branch that's six or eight feet higher and start reclustering up there. You know, if it happens, it happens. But don't beat yourself up. Do the best you can. Be protected so that you don't get hurt. And, and just, you know, try to have some fun with it. It's a pretty neat experience. It's a cool thing to do. Uh, definitely becomes easier with time like anything else and having a friend to help out. And, and the person who helps you out doesn't even have to be really a a big time B person just make sure they're wearing protective gear and they're willing to, again, operate the saw or hold a box or do, do some just very basic helper kind of tasks or hand you things. And who knows, you might even convert them over to, to some beekeeping things as well. Once they realize how gentle the bees are, I did want to wrap up with a couple of, um, couple of things I've noticed. I haven't really had enough content here lately for uh, like a full bee buzz episode or, the questions and things that we're getting in the Discord room, which, by the way, if you go to beekeepingfornewbies.com, there is a link on there to the Discord room. We've got over 50 members now. It's so exciting to see people talking in there all the time. I absolutely love it. So thank you, thank you to everybody who's joined in there and is sharing your thoughts and ideas. It's really a cool thing. But uh, there's some things that have come up in there that I just wanted to kind of touch on real quick and not save it for a, um, 
another B-Buzz episode. So I had a couple people ask about um, my particular you know, situation with my colonies and where I am with that. So I was in kind of a ramp-up period before I went back into the workforce. And uh, I worked out a deal with another newer commercial person. They were really struggling with the respect that they had uh, facilities. They had a lot of equipment. They had people who were ready and willing to work and everything, but they just didn't have financial backing to really get going. They were hit pretty hard with a lot of the COVID stuff around the same time that, that I was, as we were trying to find, you know, sucrose and different things to feed the bees. And it was a bit of a pain in the butt, but I worked out a deal with them where I essentially gave them, I think it was like 104 colonies, but the deal worked out it was like a 25% per year deal. So I gave them a hundred. If I were to go and say, it's, it's a longer story, but to simplify it, if I were to call them and say, Hey, I want to pick up mine, you know, this summer, I would get back 125 colonies. If I push to next year, that number goes to 160. And then if I push it out to 2025, it would be 200. It just increases by 25% per year. It gave them a big infusion of a whole bunch of colonies and bees to start from. They're able to do splits. They're able to sell honey. And it's working really well because I know and I trust them and they're they're very reliable. And, you know, um, everything is pretty much insured anyway. So it's a win-win for both of us. That, that'll be really, really nice once I get back to full-time, which I'm kind of, you know, keeping the fingers crossed there to see if I can make that happen. But when that happens, that'll give me a quick boost and it'll be a, um, it'll be nice to have everybody back at the, back at the apiary, but I do still have a few of them down there hanging out. I really, really want to break out the cell builder and start just cranking out Queens. The tough part is I've got some really heavy commitments for the next, I don't know, like 60, 80 days, something like that. I'm going to be a little tied up at a time that's really, really critical for that type of work. So I'm not going to be able to do what I'd like to do with that, but that's okay, right? We're going to keep moving forward. We'll keep having fun. I, I will go ahead and split those out. I may still do, I want to do some grafting videos to show you all how to graft larvae to make a cell builder. Even if I don't actually run the cell builder all the way through, showing you how to set it up. It's just a matter of coordinating between time, energy, pain, headaches, <laughs> other whatever else is going on. So I'll keep working on that and uh, hopefully that'll get better. There is, let's see, I see a lot of questions here around swarming and um, first inspections. And there seems to be a lot of fear around the possibility that the colony is going to swarm on the first warm day. So the swarming is going to take place, you know, when, when kind of like the following conditions are present. So if you have um, a consistent intake of pollen and nectar, right? When, when trees are in bloom, plants, flowers, vegetables, whatever is in bloom, when there is that steady flow of nectar and pollen coming in, they're getting the protein, they're getting the carbs, and that's coming in, whether it's physically, you know, coming from, from natural sources or whether it's done synthetically through pollen substitutes and sugar syrup and things like that, you are either in or creating a nectar flow, whether you're feeding them or whether they're finding it in the environment. When you have all of that, and the temperatures are up, and the bees are able to move. Remember, if it's really, really cold at night, they're still going to cluster. But in the summertime, they're working all the time. They're constantly going because they can. It's not, it's not too cold for them to be moving around, and they will constantly work. When they get to a point where those nighttime temps are allowing them to continue working and moving, 
And in the daytime, I mean, you'll see them. When you see a tremendous amount of activity coming, coming and going and you see those pollen sacks loaded down and like, I'm going to get another video done here uh, as soon as possible. But I did one the other day with, you know, two and a half, two hours and 15 minutes of just the bees flying in and out of the hive. And when I do that next time, really pay attention. I'm going to try and get a different angle so you can see them, hopefully see them coming in. So it'd be like from, from behind angle and you'll see those pollen sacks look really loaded down with honey. I'm sorry, <laughs> loaded down with pollen. But um, when you start to see that and there's just so much activity going on, you, you just know the weather's getting better. It's getting warmer. And the smaller the hive, the greater the risk is, or the smaller the colony, the greater the risk is of a swarm. So the setup I'm using right now is two deeps, queen excluder, and a medium. I've got time. I've got plenty of space. I'm not worried about it. But, you know, we had that time in like late February for us where it got really warm. The weather was nice. The bees were flying every day. There were tons of things that were starting to bloom. So they've packed away some things already. They've got some resources kind of replenished from the, the winter, what they used over the winter. They're almost ready to go. I suspect I will have queen cells in my colonies n no later than two weeks from now. They are going to be just hitting it. So I'm going to go in maybe tomorrow, sometime within the next week, and do my first inspections. I'm going to try and get those videoed as well so we can walk through those together. And then I'm going to try and get like the chest rig with the GoPro and a separate camera on the side, maybe have two or three different views. I, I don't know. I'm still kind of a rookie in the video production space. But we'll try and try and see what we can get on that. But I'm going to try and let them make some queen cells, relocate those queen cells, put them into either mating nukes or other nukes or whatever, and just see what we can do. I probably am only going to do, I think I'm only going to do one or two splits per colony this year. Just, just to play around with. And like I said, if I can get to a point where I can make a cell builder, that'd be great. But I'm really trying to capture as much as I can. I've got two eight-foot sections of plywood that are sitting in the back of my truck for the swarm traps. I'm ready to go. Just a matter of getting time and weather and everything coordinated. But uh, we will get with that. But I, I went off on a complete tangent here about, about swarming. So the less space they have, right, it's, it's a nectar flow it, and it's space. If they don't have space in that colony, if every cell on every frame is getting packed full of nectar and pollen and brood and there's nowhere to put things, they are going to swarm, hands down, without a doubt. When resources are coming in, there's nowhere to put them. That will stress them out. So keep an eye on things early. You need to be in your hives right now. If you are, I'm going to make this up. I have no idea. But I would say from like the Maryland like the Maryland, Pennsylvania kind of line, anywhere there and south, you already should have been in, in your colony by now. If you're north of that, it's just varied by the weather. Whenever you catch a nice day, probably above 60, 65, try to get in, take a look and see what you got. Like I said, we're, we're, we're getting into go time here. This is swarm time of year, and I fully expect that things are going to be getting a little bit nutty here soon. Yeah, it looks like I've got everything covered that I wanted to cover in my notes uh, I really, I got so many things in my brain about what I want to do with getting into some live discussions and, you know, being able to engage with everybody more directly. I hate when people have to wait, you know, you ask a question and then you have to wait till, till I come back around. But I've got a section here called Bee Buzz Questions inside the Discord room. I'm flipping to that right now. Just trying to see if there's anything in there we haven't answered podcast ideas. So there is a section there called podcast ideas. We had a little bit of a discussion 
about two frame nukes the other day. I had posted a picture with some two frame nukes in it. And what I wanted to do was do a follow-up based on the request from the discord room on kind of growing your apiary with two frame nukes. We kind of started talking about it and I said, geez, that's a whole episode by itself. And somebody said, I wouldn't mind hearing about that. So the next episode I have teed up is episode 40, growing your apiary with two frame nukes. But there's still a lot to be done. I really want to make sure that we're staying on top of these swarms, the swarm activity. I feel like I've missed some things, right? So feel free to drop me an email, jeff at beekeepingfornewbies.com or you know, jump into the Discord and and see if uh, see if you can let us know over there what we need to kind of follow up on. And uh, the last thing I'll mention is, since this is going to be at least a portion of this will be on video for YouTube here shortly, is I'm going to try at some point in time to get like full streaming where basically I have at least a hive being filmed live or streamed live uh, at all times. I think that would just be super cool. I've seen it done with like deer cameras up in Maine and I've seen it done with, you know, the bald Eagle cam and all kinds of things. I don't know what we can figure out with it, but I, I want to keep playing with that. I think it's pretty neat. I'm going to stop rambling and uh, we'll get you all ready for the next episode. It'll be episode 40 growing your apiary with uh, two frame nukes. Uh, we still have cell builders to talk about. There's so much going on, but anyway, enjoy your weekend, take care of yourselves and uh, we'll look forward to catching up with you real soon. Bye-bye. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.